just gonna we're just gonna start talking because I hate introductions anyway. But I will say I am here with one of my favorite people in the whole world. She's an amazing astrologer. She's the resident astrologer at Oprah Magazine, Teen Vogue, and The Hood Witch. She also has a book coming out. What date is it coming out? I should have asked you this before I started talking, but <laughs> we'll roll with it. Do you know what date your book's coming out, Lisa? My book is coming out on May 25th, and I also have another project coming out August 10th, which is astrology flashcards to learn how to read your birth chart. I'm so excited for the flashcards. So yes, I'm here with Lisa Stardust. Welcome to the Glittercast, Lisa. Hi, it's nice to be here. So I wanted to just, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was just saying thanks for having me. It's always my pleasure. Um, I wanted to just sort of like get into the subject of Saturn returns because I've never actually done, uh, I've never done an episode on that, even though I've been podcasting for almost four years now, I've never done one specific to Saturn returns. And they're like this like totally like feared astrological like rite of passage, as it says in your book. But I'm curious sort of like how you would break it down, the concept of a Saturn return. So every 27 to 29 years, Saturn returns back to the place where it was when you were born. So we're talking about the same degree and the same zodiac time. You have at least three Saturn returns in your lifetime. Sometimes if you live to be over 100, which I'm striving to do by living the good life, just kidding, <laughs> um, you can totally have a fourth one. It's not theoretically impossible. Right. Um, so the first Saturn return happens when you're between the ages of 27 to 29 years old. And as we know, that's your first entrance into adulthood. So that's a time when we're kind of all bossing up, growing up, being adults, not going out drinking every single night, taking relationships seriously. And also really thinking about the next stages of our life. The next one happens when you're in your late 50s. And that's a time when you're focusing on your retirement, what the next stage of your life is after your work. And it's also a time of reflection. Have I really lived my dreams? Have I really achieved what I want to achieve? And then when we reach our third Saturn return, that happens when we're in our 80s. And that's a time when we look back on our life and savor all of the work that we've done. And I guess the fourth one, which happens when you're in your hundreds, yeah. would be a time when you're really at peace with your life. Yeah. And for those people who don't know, Saturn is the karmic taskmaster. So when we deal with Saturn, we're really talking about have you lived your true life purpose and have you done all the work that needs to be done to create the life that you want? Are you putting the effort in? Have you learned lessons? Yeah, and I feel like that's a big reason why I think people fear their first Saturn return because it typically is sort of when like all your bullshit catches up with you where it's sort of like the universe is forcing you to change if you're not following your path or living irresponsibly. But 
what would you say to people that would sort of like ease their minds in terms of like their impending Saturn return? I would say that the first thing to do would to really basically be easy on yourself. I know that it seems like a very simple task. However, it's a lot more harder than it, than it appears because a lot of the times we're dealing with the placement of Saturn, the planet aspecting Saturn, and the sign that it's in. Mm-hmm. So for me, my Saturn is in Virgo in my 12th house. And when I was dealing with my Saturn return, I was going through a lot of healing regarding being less critical of myself. And that was my lesson to learn to fully embrace myself and to not be so nitpicky about every little thing that I didn't do. Mm -hmm. And that really helped clear up a lot of things in my life that needed to be remedied at that time. Right. So know it's like you don't have to like look perfect all the time you don't have to put effort into your appearance you can really just be yourself and people will love you or hate you and that's not your problem so for me it was about owning my power what sign and placement is your Saturn in so my Saturn is actually in Sagittarius um, which is, I think, interesting because I spent so much of my Saturn return just like traveling, traveling, traveling. Um, and mm-hmm. it's in my 11th house or no, it's in my 12th house. Sorry. The chart I'm looking at is weird. So I would say yes, that's correct. Um, we actually became friends, I think, during your Saturn return. It was my 11th house. Sorry. I fucking hate, sorry. I fucking oh. hate this chart that I'm looking at. Um, oh. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I could like, I memorize all the people in my life's charts and then I don't memorize my own, but yeah. (laughs) I feel that I know all the Kardashians charts. I don't even know my mom's chart by heart. Yeah. It's weird where like, where your interests sort of like fixate. I know. Of course, when I'm being the Gemini that I am, I'm like, oh, pop culture, everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But every produce chart I'm like really <laughs> um so um your Saturn is in Sagittarius in your 11th house mm-hmm. and May and I actually became friendly when Saturn was in Sagittarius and we met on the internet which is a very 11th house thing because we met through mutual astrologers and astrology is the 11th house in your chart so you basically cemented a lot of new friends during that time who were in the astrology world and I was one of them yeah that's when I was starting to that's when I was very first starting to learn astrology like I'd been reading tarot and practicing witchcraft forever but I started I started learning astrology during my Saturn return yeah and for people who don't know because Renee and I have spoken about this before we met on the internet on Instagram and we did a trade and we just wound up talking for hours after she read my tarot cards and I read her astrology chart. So it was meant to be. I know we like carried, <laughs> we like carried each other through like our fucked up love interests at that time. We were like there for each other when we were both going crazy. 
it was really funny because everything that Renee told me happened and it was funny. It was looking back on the file, like everything was so accurate about everything that we said about all of these people that we were involved with. I know it's true. It's true. I'm glad that we both are like on to better greener pastures. Um, to turn it back to sort of like how the audience can find this information relatable, how do you recommend people like unpack their Saturn placements and how it will, how their Saturn returns will be affected because of it? So when you look at your birth chart and you can look at your birth chart at astro.com or cafe astrology or Google free birth chart online, Mm -hmm. um, I always like to scour the internet for free resources just because, you know, I have a Virgo stellium. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like to see, and I have a lot of cancer. My Venus is in retrograde, so of course, you know. But um, you can scour the internet and get your birth chart online, or you can even Google for the Saturn return. And when you look at your birth chart, you can look to see what house Saturn falls in and what sign it falls in and Cafe Astrology and Astro.com are really good places to check it out if you're not familiar with the glyphs and those are the astrological symbols and basically you know depending on the sign you can really kind of define the vibe so let's just say your Saturn is in is in Aquarius, you're going to be someone who really is always really trying to like change authoritative, authoritative systems because Saturn is, you know, one of the rulers of Aquarius, but Aquarius is also a humanitarian and a very rebellious sign. So, and then you can look to see what house it's in. So let's just say your Saturn is an Aquarius in your 10th house, right? So your 10th house is the house of work, public standing. So if the Saturn is located there in Aquarius, you're probably going to be someone who really has a problem with their bosses during their Saturn return or is looking for a new career direction, Mm -hmm. you know, during their Saturn return or is really leveling up. Basically kind of trying to defy a lot of the norms that have been placed for them for the first part of their life. Right. And like what people expect of you too. Yeah. Exactly. How long, how do people calculate like how long their Saturn returns are going to last? Like what do you consider to be the duration of a Saturn return? The whole time it's in the sign or? For me, my Saturn return went past. And then because Saturn went retrograde, it went again during the retrograde. (laughs) And then it happened a third time when Saturn went direct. So I have three passes with my Saturn return. Yeah. And I am going to say that the last one was probably the deepest, just because I kind of always had this sense that I could always right my wrongs. But then the last pass was the one that I had to get everything right. Yeah. I've, I feel like when you have a planet sort of like aspect, your natal chart, like 
and then it goes retrograde and goes and then it goes direct so that it happens like three times like it almost feels like the universe is like are you gonna learn are you gonna learn you better fucking learn this time like the last one's like you have to learn this time because you've gotten three chances I didn't learn the first two times of the last time I learned. So, I mean, I guess I learned. Yeah. I mean, I have said that like probably a few months after my Saturn return, I learned all the lessons that I was supposed to learn because you can kind of feel the effects for a few months after or for even a few years after because you're developing your adult self. So, you know, it was just a lot about really being easier on myself and less critical and not being afraid to be myself. Yeah, totally. And also, I mean, I think that there's like this sort of like when we're in our 20s and we're in our earlier to mid 20s, there's this sort of like feeling of invincibility. And I think that the Saturn return just sort of like brings through that realization that like you have to get your shit together or you're just going to kind of be a burnout. Like it's your chance to like, turn the wheel if you're going on a weird path you know what I mean yeah I mean you can always have a great Saturn return a lot of people I know have and a lot of people have it It just depends on the kinds of life you're living if you're living this great life then you know maybe some minor annoyances will happen or things that need to change will change And I mean, all Saturn's really doing is it's just kind of adjusting and cutting out things that you can't take with you into your quote unquote adult life. And it's really teaching you lessons about yourself and how you relate to the world and vice versa. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like that resonates because... I mean, my my listeners know I've been very transparent about the fact that like right before my Saturn return, it was like when I was about to turn 28 that I got clean I was you know total junkie total heroin addict and like got out of my bad marriage got out of my bad relationship and then I just like all right well I have nothing like I'm starting with nothing I have built nothing in my 20s and I'm literally at the bottom so like what am I gonna do to bring it up like what am I gonna do to like build this up but I also felt like I had to do so much exploring to find myself and I think that's what sort of led me to do like all the all the cross-country travel that you know I did for like three months I kind of just traveled around the United States in my car like I was on um do you know that website couchsurfers.com I remember you were on there yeah I was like staying with strangers because I had no money (laughs) I was like this is safe I'm a 27 year old girl but it was fine like nothing bad happened Um, but I feel like I like had to like, like it was like so much a spiritual exploration, which is very Sagittarius in my opinion. Um, but I had a blast, I think because I did like, cause I did just drop so much of the dead weight. And I think it's just like, depends, I think on how much you're willing to change and how quickly could determine like how, how much fun you have with your Saturn return. I remember you were like pulling tarot cards for me in your car. (laughs) You were like, oh, like, I'm, I'm in traffic. I'll, I'm going to pull over and do some tarot readings because the traffic is so bad, like, on the highway. Yeah. I'm just going to, like, pull over here for a few hours and, like, chill. And I was like, wow, Renee's really at peace with herself. <laughs> I was just like. Girl, it's, it's so yeah. cool. She's 
is so laid back. She's she's all, I'm not dealing with this mess of traffic. I'm just going <laughs> to do my nails and like have a coffee and just <laughs> do my reading. That is 100% what happened. What are some of the like, what are, what's some of the fun that you had with your Saturn return? Well, <laughs> did I have fun? No. <laughs> What was your, um, as much as you want to share, what was your experience like? We'll say, we'll say that. I mean, I think that I let go of a lot of friendships that weren't working. I also let go of a really unhealthy work situation. And I think all in all, I really became closer with my family as a result, just because I was more open after to letting them see who I was and not being, you know, ashamed of who I was or not being ashamed of being an astrologer. Yeah. Were they accepting of you being an astrologer at first? I mean, I know like at this point in your career, you're so well established, it would be hard to argue against it. But how was that? Like, just just like, you you know, you're a college educated person and you're just like, no, I'm going to be an astrologer. Like, how was that for you announcing that? Um... I mean, I think that, like, it's, like, hard because, for me, I think that, you know, a lot of my friends, believe it or not, aren't into astrology. Yeah. And who are not in this field. And being able to say, this is what I'm doing, and not care if they roll their eyes at me, that's a big thing. And also, you know... My sister, she didn't really believe in astrology before, even though she is such the biggest Scorpio ever. <laughs> but before I became a professional astrologer, she wasn't really into astrology. And even when I started out, she wasn't really into it as well. So I think it's really interesting that, you know, it's become such like, a great thing now that everyone's talking about and reading their horoscopes. And I'm really grateful that everyone's more open to it. Yeah. It's really become, it's really, I feel like gone through a bit of a resurgence in the past. I don't know. I want to say like seven or eight years because it used to just be like little snippets in magazines, but now it's everywhere. And it's not just astrology. It's like crystals and the occult and witchcraft do you have an astrological perception of why that is? I think because Neptune is in Pisces. Mm-hmm. And Neptune is the planet of mysticism. And we know Pisces is a very intuitive, magical sign. So that would be my astrological reasoning behind it. Yeah. And it's, I mean, in a lot of ways, I feel like Pisces can represent like collective consciousness as well. So it makes sense that it's like on this mass scale. Yeah. When it comes to your book on Saturn Returns, what's sort of like, what did you have in mind when you were sitting down to sort of like map out and write this wonderful piece of literature that I can't wait to get my hands on? And I'm in, by the way, I have a little, just, you know, just had to throw that in. I've got a little... Um, ritual that I wrote in there. But for you, what was it like going into it? For me, um, writing the book was a very interesting process because it was during COVID. And it was also a book about Saturn. 
So writing a book about Saturn, a planet who teaches you a lot about yourself during COVID was a very interesting thing to do. And as we discussed, it was really hard because, you know, there's a lot of things going on in the world and to be kind of stuck, you know, writing about this very specific thing that's making you reflect on a lot of things from your past was very intense for me, yeah. personally. Did you... So I would Go ahead. I'm sorry. I would, or I would call you up and you'd be like, how are you doing? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm really going through it. Like, just because I was really thinking about a lot of relationships, a lot of friendships, a lot of places I've worked. And of course, you know, when you're writing about Saturn and you're trying to figure out the lessons, you know, you're always going through your head what you could have done differently in the situation. But, you know, the answer is that you couldn't, I couldn't have done anything differently. So right. it and was also a healing time as well because of that. I feel like as, I feel like there's like this really kind of interesting dynamic that occurs when you are it like basically like a spiritual advisor, which I believe astrologers fall under that category, but also like a content creator. I think it can create interesting dynamics around like what your boundaries are, how transparent you are about your personal life. Like I know, especially like with my first podcast, I was way more transparent than I am now because I've sort of like learned the value and sort of like keeping certain things to myself. But I'm curious, you know, when you when you're living through all of this, like, you know, what could be trauma or not, but like these like heavy experiences from your past, how did you decide, like how personal did you, did you make your sort of like writings with it? And how did you decide when to and when not to go there with something? I wrote a lot of the original transcripts about my personal Saturn return. And I went really deep into it. And I think a lot of it was taken out just because there was TMI totally, but I was very <laughs> open about a lot of the things that I had to deal with during that time. Yeah, I was in a really abusive friendship. I was in also a really abusive work situation. And I also was in an abusive relationship with a person who I was romantically involved with. And I was living in New York City, and when you're young in New York City and you're free and you, you know, going out a lot was the thing that I did, you know, and it basically taught me that I really need to kind of hone it in. I really need to reevaluate these relationships and these friendships and decide if these are people I want to invest my time into. And of course, it's really hard because. I have a Libra rising, you know, <laughs> I'm Gemini, a Libra rising, I'm, you know, I don't want to let go of people, I want to, I want to keep the party going, yeah. and really learning that in order to become a functional adult, I have to not go out every night, or stay in a night, and watch the real housewives, and be basic, and really be at peace with myself, and be okay spending time with myself. And that was really challenging and learning to 
be at peace alone and to really relish my alone time and my personal time is something that was really the most amazing gift ever. Did you feel like you got a little bit of pushback from the people that you were spending less time with that they were trying to like pull you back into the lifestyle? We've spoken about that during our first small conversations, but I mean, there's always temptation. And I think that for me, I really just disconnected a hundred percent because I literally would go to my parents' house and just be basic with my family all weekend instead. Or I would go apple picking with my cousin. And right after my Saturn return occurred, my older niece was born. And that was really, I think, what really changed me because I was watching her one day and I really began to feel that you know, like this is someone who's reliant on me and that I'm an adult with my niece and taking her around San Francisco, um, you know, taking her out to eat like she's a baby and I'm old enough to be someone's mother. So I, I better act mature or at least try to be much more mature. So yeah. that was, yeah, I think the wake up call for me, but it was actually when my older niece was born, I was just coming out of a really bad relationship and all of the stuff. And I remember I was on the airplane going to visit them and it was during maybe like a month after my Saturn return. And I was literally crying on the airplane and people were asking me if I was okay. And, you know, obviously I wasn't, but having that experience, just bonding with my niece and really having that love of a human being who doesn't know anything about you, who just accepts you and loves you and trusts you because of your energy really healed me. That is so, so I sweet. Back, I came back to New York City restored and reborn. And that's why it was probably the best thing that ever happened because you know, spending all that time with her really made me feel that I am really worthy of love. And if a baby just can love me based off of my energy, that I have a lot of love to give. And it also made me realize that I do have a, a very generous quality to myself and that I have a big heart. So, you know, if you can calm down a baby, a screaming baby every night and you know, like, really relish that time and really um, bond with someone who is, you know, a baby who's just so pure and tender and full of love. It's, it's a very healing thing and beautiful thing. I feel like it possibly could have even, too, like, triggered a nurturing aspect that you were then able to sort of, like, bring onto yourself when you left. Yeah. I had a very... Well, I had a very similar situation where I like I when my sister told me she was pregnant I was like literally with like my family thought I was gonna die because I was like withdrawing and then I got you know that was like I was getting clean you know and so then that was a huge motivator for me too where I was like I can't be I can't be the type of person that someone doesn't like my sister doesn't trust with their fucking baby like I had you know what I mean and like I had that conversation with my brother-in-law like 
after like my family realized I was going to be okay and that like I wasn't relapsing or anything. And he was like, yeah, like we weren't going to let you be around. Like we weren't going to let you be alone with a baby, you know, and now we now we don't hesitate like because I was babysitting for them sometimes, too. So it's like it is interesting how like a baby family member can totally shift your perspective and your dynamic. Well, I think the same thing happened to me. It was mostly like my sister thought that I was too self-involved to be dealing with the baby. And <laughs> I had been a nanny for a few years in New York City and taking care of other people's kids. But she thought that, you know, I'm, you know, in my 20s, I'm a New York City living party girl. <laughs> and, you know, not really thinking about anyone's needs but my own. She was kind of surprised about how natural that sort of role, you know, aligns with myself. Yeah. And I do know how close you are with your nieces because, I mean, Lisa and I talk all the fucking time. Like we're, I'm interviewing her as a colleague, as a professional right now, but we're like, it's like, I consider Lisa to be one of my best friends. And so I like oh. we talk all the time and you're always talking about like, oh, I ordered these things for my nieces and my nieces are so cute. And it's like that that bond has always been really obvious to me. I know they always get me because they're like, I need this. And I'm like, you know what? You do need that. <laughs> <laughs> it was like rational lesson in my head because I remember not having all that fun stuff growing up and I think that also, you know, having this experience so close to my Saturn return really gave me a chance to heal my own childhood and to really embrace my inner child and, you know, to say it's okay to have fun and goof off sometimes. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be serious all the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, which I think is a, an important thing to remember because Saturn does have such a serious quality about it. You know, it's that like you need that balance of not having to be serious all the time. Yeah, it's like you can play hooky one day or the world's not going to fall apart if you don't respond to a text right away. Mm-hmm. And it's about being easy on yourself, which is what I said before, and about really being okay with who you are. And for me, I would say self-acceptance is probably the most important thing to focus on during your Saturn return. I agree with that completely because if you're beating yourself up and you diminish your self-worth by doing that, it's really hard to find motivation to actually do anything. Totally. When, so I haven't actually seen the book yet myself. I can't wait to get, I cannot wait to get my hands on a copy of it, but I do know, you know, um, I think I put, I think that for my small portion, I put a banishing spell in there for like removing toxicity from your life. But I'm curious because it is called a survival guide. What are some of the other things that people can look forward to when, when they do inevitably buy your book? Um, I have a lot of explanation from the astrology perspective. I've gotten a lot of really great feedback from people who live in other countries because the book was released in other countries earlier because it is from an Australian publisher Mm -hmm. and they've had a lot of really, you know, life changing, you know, the light bulb has gone off above their head about things that have happened during their Saturn return that are rehappening during their second Saturn return or 
they're experiencing their first Saturn return, and it's really changing their lives. And I think that for me, that's probably the most like great feedback that I can get. Um, I also had the Hood Witch, who I have the pleasure of writing for. She did a crystal um, rundown in the book. And Sarah Potter, who is a tarot reader, did a tarot spread. And Christine O'Day, who also goes by Ammo O'Day. The famous witch, yeah. She also is in the book as well. She's another really good friend of ours, too. She's great. For those of you all who are listening, it's a very small community, and we've all been working with each other for such a long time that we all kind of know each other through the, through the, through the, through the gram. But now that some of us actually have had like an amazing experience, IRL and Ammo, Christine and the Christine fitness, Switch. I'm like Ammo slash Christine slash fitness, Switch, and Renee work together in the the crooked path. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I remember when I when I um, told Sal we should bring her on as a reader. It was when she very first moved to LA, and they got along so well that I was almost jealous. <laughs> Sal and Ammo. Well, Ammo slash Christine slash Fitness Wish. Yeah, she is. She's been part of the occult scene in New York City for such a long time. And she used to work at Enchantments, which is a really well-known occult shop in the East Village. Yeah, I think it's well-known everywhere. It's like, it's like the place. Yeah. So Ammo, everyone knows Ammo. And she's going to be really, her Venus and Leo is going to be really happy when she listens to this. But we love (laughs) Ammo. We love Ammo. Mentioning her. Ammo is amazing. She is. She is the best. And... Yeah, so I was excited to get to work with some of my favorite peeps, and it was a great project, and I'm really glad that you all participated in it. It meant a lot to me. It meant so much to be asked. I was so honored to be a part of it, so thank you for that. Yeah, the night before. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was I'm just joking. I know, I know. I want to talk because you and I haven't talked too much about your astrology flashcards. Um, I know that I've known that you were creating them, but we, I think, just caught caught up in like whatever else we were talking about. So I'm dying to know a little bit more about this project that you're working on. So I created a deck of cards with Chronicle Books that is called the Astrology Deck. And it comes with a virtual astrology wheel that you can put the cards on according to your chart. So if you look up your chart on the internet at cafeastrology.com or astro.com, we should get money for plugging these websites. I know. Always like cafeastrology, astro.com. Um, mm-hmm. If you look up your chart there, you can kind of learn astrology by placing the cards 
in the houses and the planets and the signs and the asteroids in the houses of the pull-out chart that it comes with so you can really learn about your chart and astrology. That's brilliant. So really kind of more of a how-to read your birth chart type of interactive card game. Mm-hmm. which is really great because I am a very visual person. Me too. And for me, I'm a visual learner. So when I learned astrology from my teacher, Annabelle Gatt, who Renee knows as well, she, um, she, she's the, she taught um, me how to do it very visually so I can sort of keep up with learning all the transits and everything and the planets and my needle chart. I'm very visual too, which is why when I very first started reading charts, I used to have to remove the aspect lines and then just look at the degrees and draw them myself. Or I immediately felt super overstimulated with information because it's like, if you look at a chart and you don't know what you're looking at, it's so overwhelming. Yeah. Um, that reminds me, when I was growing up, I had a lot of learning disabilities. So when I would teach myself how to add in my head, it wouldn't be like, oh, like two plus two equals four. It would be like little like stars, like dancing in the sky, or like it would be like people, like little frogs dancing, and it'd be like two frogs and two more, and I would count them in my head that way. That's so cute. It was the way that I would teach myself how to add and how to figure out things. So That's super cute. What sort of advice would you give to people who are very first taking on just trying to learn astrology? I feel like people give up really easily because there's so much information. I mean, it's I've been, you know, studying astrology for years, and I know you have as well. And I think that you can never stop learning. I always read new articles. I always read new books. Mm-hmm. I think that it's just really cool to keep on growing and expanding and to never really say this is that's wrong, I'm right, to have a very open mind, and to also realize that as the astrologer, and even with tarot, you get to sort of create the story that you want to tell. So I would say to think about astrology as a can, a blank canvas, you know, and you get to, as Annabelle has said, you get to, you know, create the palette that you want and with the brush strokes that you want. And that's what I would say to people in order to learn astrology, because I think that so much goes into a lot of people arguing about this is, that's wrong, this is right. It's, you know, everyone can have their opinion. Right. So. No, I think that's such an important point to make, because I do think that a lot of people feel discouraged because of that. There can be a little bit of that in the astrology community, which luckily, like, you know, we've stayed away from that sort of like opinionated, like, you know, we don't really push our what we think an interpretation should be. But it's very real in the community where people are afraid to look stupid or look like their interpretations are wrong. So I do think that you're right, that you just have to sort of like take it like 
take this sort of perspective where you're like, no, it's a blank canvas and I'm the artist. It's not about what other people think. Obviously, there are like archetypes and, you know, certain sort of like systems that you have to follow. You can't just be like, I'm deciding that the sun means your mom when it's like the moon. You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, I think you're right about that. Like you have to just be OK with it being your own interpretation. Yeah. And, you know, when I learned astrology, I got a lot of astrology readings from a lot of different astrologers. And I got a lot of information just from getting astrology readings from them and from studying, just because it was so interesting to hear their interpretations. Yeah. And I definitely believe that everyone has a different style. So it's just about finding someone who you really vibe well with. I think another thing that's like, you know, I, the internet's such an amazing place where you can pretty much Google or, you know, even on YouTube find information about how pretty much anything works. But I also think that like for me, having just moved to Los Angeles and trying to learn astrology, I went on that website meetup.com and I found an astrology group, which ended up being like amazing and awesome. But even though I didn't know what they were talking about or saying every week, they would like look at a chart and like have, have a lecture. And it was like $7 every week. And it was just like, I just made myself go, even though I like, I didn't have the language down yet. And I didn't always know what they were talking about. So I think sometimes too, you just have to like sit, sit and listen to the informations and talking about like aspects and conjunctions and sextiles and trines and houses. And you just have to sort of like immerse yourself in it and not worry about the fact that you don't quite understand it right away. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny because I always say that being, you know, when we talk about astrology in our birth charts, it's the 11th house. And the 11th house is also the house of classes and community. So I always say it's really important to take the class and to really be a part of a community. Just because it's nice to have friends who are really interested in the same things that you are. And also who you can talk about astrology with. And there are some friends who I met, you know, way back in 2000, oh, 2006, who I'm still friends with, who I met from online group chats, you know, yeah. for astrology back in the day. And I know some people who I'm still friendly with who... You know, I would, we're in my rune, <laughs> I used to read runes, well, I still my runes, like, chat online, and it's really cool just having that community and having a lot of people who you have things in common with, who you can totally talk about things that interest you, just because, you know, I get astrology isn't for everyone. It's for me. It's for a lot of people I know. Mm -hmm. But I'm not one of those people who's very fanatical. And if you don't believe in astrology, it's not, you know, it's not an end-all be-all for how you're viewed, you know. Yeah, totally. And we all have many different interests and different layers, so... Well, it was so amazing getting to interview you again. I think this is like our fourth interview that we've done together. I think something like that. But if people uh, want to um, reach out to find you or if they want to buy your book, how can they do that? 
Um, you can find me on Instagram, Lisa Stardust Astro, Twitter, Lisa Stardust underscore, Facebook, Lisa Stardust, or my website, lisastardust.com. And if you're looking to buy my book, you can head over to Amazon and just type my name in. And my book on the Saturn return and my book on the astrology deck will come right up. Yeah. Very easy. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for being here. I love you so much. <laughs> I love you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure.